Well, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, as we continue our trek uh, through the Word of God in the book of Psalms, sometimes in the evening. This is uh, something of a uh, milestone that we mark because uh, Psalm 72 ends the second of the book of Psalms in the overall uh, book of the Psalms. Psalm 72, hear the word of the Lord. Of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. And blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. And on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May its people Blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let us pray. O oh, our Father and our God, we do ask that your word would be open. It is true. It is sure. And we pray that it would have its impact in making our lives true and sure as well. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, did Solomon write Psalm 72? Yes or no? Inquiring minds want to know. The psalm is certainly, at least in part, about the reign of Solomon. 
under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist composed a true text which described something of Solomon's reign. To that degree, this psalm is about Solomon. And on the face of it, Psalm 72 is a coronation psalm. The kind of composition that would be sung on the occasion or the anniversary of a monarch's coronation, receiving the crown and being hailed as the king. Now, we don't have an American monarch, or, or maybe more precisely, I should say, we're not supposed to have an American monarch. But we've seen photographs of the young Queen Elizabeth taking her throne. And more recently, we have seen her, I think it's a couple of times, have golden jubilees and anniversaries of her reign with great fanfare and celebration and even fireworks. Later anniversaries become high and festive occasions requiring even Prince Charles to smile and have a good time. (laughs) This is some sort of coronation psalm. Now, in the original Hebrew Masoretic text, there's a short little title which is translated into English of Solomon. And that's the best way to translate it because, to be frank, its meaning is a wee bit ambiguous. It could equally, from a grammatical standpoint, mean by Solomon, that is, written by Solomon. Or else it could also equally grammatically mean for Solomon. Which is it? You know, it is election time. I hope you've voted and done your duty as a citizen. And if you haven't, do it as early and as often as necessary. But did you catch that little verse at the end? that I tried to read in a different tone of voice. I tried to make it sound like the end of those political commercials, you know, where they they make their dramatic, you know, play, and there's all this music and fanfare. And then there's someone with a rapid voice that comes on and says, I approve this message. That's exactly what verse 20 is. It's a closing verse to this psalm, but also a closing verse to this book within the book of Psalms, the prayers of David the son of Jesse, are ended. Therefore, Psalm 72, rightly understood, is not a psalm by Solomon, but rather for his coronation or for an anniversary of his coronation. The text itself, I think, bears that witness to us. Now, when it comes to Solomon's coronation, the first place we turn is to 1 Kings, chapter 1. And there we read about the hurried first coronation of King Solomon when Adonijah tried to grab the throne and take it for his own. If you look at the text in 1 Kings 1, it seems that he thought with with the key people in society aiding him, with his father back in Jerusalem not feeling well and, and needing some medicinal help, that perhaps that was the time to sacrifice a lot of animals and just take over the country. Well, that didn't go so down so well with Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, who went to see the king. And then Nathan came. And my suspicion is, is that in the mind and heart of David, an appearance of Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet right together in front of him would be a, well, a fairly memorable sort of and powerful sort of thing. And so he ordered 
that Solomon be anointed king. He gave specific and particular detail on how that was to be done. It was to be done quickly and urgently and trumpets were to be blown so that everyone in the land would know that the king was not the other brother but the one that the Lord had appointed and that he himself had promised to his mother and to his prophet that it would be so. First Chronicles chapter 29 gives us a second coronation. This time a more formal occasion. One on which Solomon is made king and declared king with great fanfare and pomp and circumstance when his succession was secure and universally accepted. Oh, there were all sorts of things that happened between 1 Kings chapter 1 and 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David was a busy man. He prepared materials for the building of the temple. He instructed Solomon on uh, civil engineering matters and its, and its building. He, inst- he also uh, organized the Levites, the priests, the musicians, the gatekeepers, the treasury department, and the military. David set his entire kingdom in dying order. My grandmother always used to say, you know, you need to be careful that uh, your socks are well darned and cleaned because you know you might die in them. David was getting his kingdom ready for succession. Before the second coronation of his own death, David also charged the nation of Israel. He spoke and wrote to the nation. And then he had a special word with her new king, Solomon. There was this wee little co-regency period where the two reigned together and the father was able to give those last words of testament and instruction to his son and the Davidic stamp was strongly made upon the reign of Solomon. It was of enormous help in providing stability and continuity and a basis on which for Solomon's reign to be the glory and the flourish and the blossom of David's that had come before. And David knew that multiple coronations was no ethical or practical or political problem. He had three, if you go through the scriptures and count them carefully. So the words of Psalm 72 were penned under inspiration of the Holy Spirit by David the prophet king, about his son, King Solomon. But wait, there's more. There's more about this text that we have to pay attention because David and Solomon are not just two guys. They're not even just two kings. They're not two persons even selected for public office. They are in the great line of the coming greater son of David, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are not their own. They are playing parts in a great opera, in a great unfolding drama of redemptive history, which is recorded for us authoritatively in the words of Scripture. Oh, to be blunt, Psalm 72 is not so much about Solomon as it is about Jesus. You see, Psalm 72 looks forward to the continuation of the Davidic kingly line through Solomon and beyond where it finds its ultimate 
fulfillment and apex in Jesus Christ our Lord. Not just in His first coming, which was a time of humiliation, but in His second coming, when He will reign, when He will come from the clouds with all His holy angels, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will be there. You will hail Him as such. You will see Him face to face. And you will behold His glory. And you will know the power and awesomeness of His kingdom. And that's what Psalm 72 is really about. David's pen was flowing. With his eye looking forward under inspiration towards the divine Messiah King who was to come. He was speaking of His Son, but He was more fundamentally speaking of His greater Son who was yet to come. Solomon was a great guy, but he was but a shadow of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even at the height of His power and His influence and His glory. Finally, these last little three verses in Psalm 72 they remind us that this song is a part of something bigger than itself. Verses 18 through 20 form a conclusion or something of a conclusion to the second book of the Psalms in the Old Testament Psalter. Now the first book ran from chapter 1 to chapter 41. And chapter 1 was an introduction to that first book in the Psalter as well as to the whole of that canonical text. Book 2 begins at Psalm 42, and it runs through this point at Psalm 72. And Psalm 42 opens the collection, the second collection of books within the Psalter, with those familiar words that we ourselves in this church still sing today. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for thee, O God. And so, as a part of the Psalter, and in its ultimate purpose in pointing to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here, in Psalm 72, from David through Solomon, we have the privilege of beholding the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, there are three simple things that this psalm teaches us about Jesus. And we can see parallels and echoes of that, yes, in the reign of Solomon and even in our own lives. There are three simple things that we need to grasp. First, God save the king. Uh, That's not so much even just a wish and a prayer as an affirmation that God is the one who is the author of redemptive history. That God is the one who sends our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that He is the one who calls His Son to incarnate in human flesh and to come and to triumph and to reign eternally, even as He is appointed. Oh, God, save the King. And so it's right for us to pray to God for the King. Verse 1 makes that very clear. Give the King your justice, O God, and your righteousness, to the royal son. This is a psalm 
which is a prayer, sung in public worship, yes, but also directed toward our Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praying to Him in a time of civil transition is something that we should all do, and it's a call here in the text, even in our own moment, in our own country, in our own hour, to pray in the midst of election, where there is a great new coronation which is being decided. Who will rule us in it? Who will initiate financial bills? Who will be able to parlay the will of the executive or else to check it and to keep it from running astray? To whom, to whom should we turn for help and aid in a time like this? Give the king your justice, O God, should roll off our tongue and through our lips. We Look and pray to God for rulers over us, even as we do. Pray to God and ask for the kingdom and the power and the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to expand over all the earth. And there is also in this prayer a specific petition for divine justice through the king. The second verse continues, May He judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Here David, under inspiration, is casting his eye upon the land and upon the people of the land. He is praying for God through His Son Solomon to bless and to strengthen and to help and aid the poor and needy among them. This is David. This is the greatest of the kings of Israel. This is David, the man after God's own heart. This is David who had a long and a strong reign after so much trouble and difficulty. David praying for the poor. This might strike us as very strange. Why is there poor in Israel under David? Is it not a reminder that David's kingdom is not the ultimate fulfillment that we will only see in the new heavens and new earth when our Lord comes again. He is but a way station on to the reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is but a train stop along the way where we uh, take on a little more cold and a little more water and, and get some dainties to enjoy as hors d'oeuvres as we head home. And we dwell with forever with our Lord under His reign. Oh, there are spots and blemishes to David's kingdom. There is abiding need. There are the poor and needy among the people of God. And so it even continued under the reign of Solomon. Solomon was one whose taxes were fairly high, whose works and duty were enormous, And all of the people did not experience all of the prosperity that we read about and hear sung in this psalm. That's because David is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit on the occasion of Solomon, but more fundamentally and most importantly about the reign of Jesus. When our Lord comes again, there will be no more tear. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more need. 
The poor will bless His name for they will be enriched and they will know the prosperity which comes only from Jesus in their salvation and in their security. In this life, an hors d'oeuvre, and in the life to come. Oh, the king will exercise divine justice in his kingdom. Justice just like God. Because that king indeed will be God. The Son of God. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in the verses 3 through 4, we also are told in this prayer to pray for divine blessing through the King. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May He defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. All of the great works and benefits that will come are downright practical. These things are not flying over the heads of the people of God, but are impacting them in their time of need. And Jesus now has ascended to the throne. And He is subduing all of His and our enemies. And He is blessing the poor in heart and the needy of spirit. His people do not go begging bread, but rather He sees to it that just like the raven, as we heard this morning, He supplies their need that they might be able to be concerned first and foremost with what? But His kingdom and His glory. Oh God, save the King. This is what Psalm 72 fills our mouth with in prayer. But the psalm goes on to give us a second important Point, Thy kingdom come. We are to pray, not just abstractly about the king, but particularly for his kingdom in its operation. Verses 5 to 7 are where we hear the psalmist sing to us about his kingdom never ending. May they fear you while the sun endures. Now, how long is that? As long as the moon through all generations. Ooh, that's a long time with no end in sight. May He be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. That happens over and over and over again. In His days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. Here in poetic fashion, David, under inspiration of the Spirit, is writing about the eternality of the kingdom of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and also of the glorious foreshadowing of it in the reign of His Son Solomon, who is the fulfillment of covenant promise. Oh, even Queen Victoria met her end. But this King, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He lives forever. His life is indestructible. He is the risen One, the triumphant One. And not only does His kingdom not end in time, it knows no bound in space. We are also in our prayer to lift up requests that His kingdom fill all the earth. (coughs) Look at verse 8. May He have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And then there's this 
catalog of different categories or sorts of people that are going to come and bow down before him. And our minds go to the Queen of Sheba coming and bowing down before Solomon. But that is but an hors d'oeuvre and a foretaste of the coming divine marriage feast of the Lamb where every tongue and tribe and people and nation will be gathered. It'll be a lot like Christ's church with folks from every sort of background, every profession, every ethnic uh, twist and turn that's on the face of the planet being here, worshiping the Lord together and adoring Him forever. Oh, may His kingdom not only never end, but it, may it fill all the earth because He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And His kingdom also comes giving us all that we need. Verse 12 says, For He delivers the needy when He calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence He redeems their life and precious is their blood in His sight. He is a king who has the heart of not an arrogant regent who has no concern for the people. But rather he is one who has the heart of a man. One who knows our weakness. One who feels our need. One who reaches out a truly human hand and touches us and blesses us at our lowest and most difficult point. Here is foreshadowing of the fact that the one who will reign eternal is not just the Messiah King but He's the Messiah become man King. The time of Christmas that we soon look forward to celebrating, it is one in which we have foreshadowing here because He indeed and His pity for we who are poor and weak is our only hope. Your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He has looked upon you in your poor and needy condition and He has had compassion upon you Compassion so great that he has been willing to go and have his flesh that he took on be nailed to a cross and to have his blood spilled in a most torturous way that he might propitiate the wrath of God against your sin, that you might know redemption and fellowship with him and through him with his heavenly Father forever. He has pity on you and on me. Thanks. Be to the Lord. And then the final words he gives us here in this psalm are words that we hear ringing at the end of the Lord's Prayer as it's publicly prayed historically by the people of God. Perhaps they studied Psalm 72 and they knew something of how to put a final flourish on the words of our Lord. For here we are also taught for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 15 begins with an emphasis upon him. Long may he live. And so implied there is may he not just breathe, but also may he reign and may his kingdom come and may it last forever just like him. Thine, O Lord Jesus, is the kingdom. And that long and blessed reign of Solomon but pointed the way to Him and to His second coming 
and to His judging all the earth and to His subduing all of His and our enemies and His setting all things right. You know, I've always hoped that the Lord would let me go back to Scotland and live there in the new heavens and new earth. But I must confess to you the sweetness of the people here in Christchurch and of, well, the beef brisket in these parts is making me long for a little plot of Texas. We'll have to see. Thine is the kingdom, and He will reign. And thine is also the power. You see, we read in verse 15 also, May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. Blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. All the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May its people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. This is language that would warm the heart of every agrarian who heard it. Oh, God will provide abundant blessing during the reign of His King because you know His is the kingdom and His is the power which comes in such prosperity. And note that it comes not as an end in itself like so many greedy ones today like to dangle the keys to new cars and yachts in front of you and tell you if you just have enough faith you will enjoy all these things. Oh no. It's not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. The blessing given in the Old Covenant points us to the sure and firm and true joy and blessing in the fulfillment of Christ in the new. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. And thine is the glory. The psalm ends by emphasizing fame and blessing. May His name endure forever, verse 17. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. And then it seems that the shot pulls back to a great panorama view. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory And you know, not one amen will do. It's amen and amen. As if the amen is said with a southern foot stomp to make it true and sure. Verse 17 sounds like there's a prayer there for Solomon and for God to give abundant blessing in a practical way. But then in the next breath, there's blessing of God, the God of Israel. And it's His name that is glorious forever, just like the reign of the Son of David who will be forever. And so through the lens of Solomon, we look and we gaze and we see in the distance the coming promised one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one for whom fame and blessing are brought together as verses 7 and 18 and 19 here are so joined. For you see, fame and blessing are His as man. And they are also His, and His name is to be blessed as God. He is the great God-man. He is the one who brings both halves of this vision together in proper focus. 
And so the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended as we all stand looking to Jesus. And that's a vision that even old Isaac Watts had as he penned. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more.